Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit solidrockchurch.com. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and you have a blessed day. I got a message I'm going to preach today if the Lord will let me. But, but at 9.38 a.m., while some of y'all was already in the building, I'm in my office do like I do every time I ever come to church. I'm praying over the service. I'm looking over my notes. And God drops a word in my spirit at 9.38 a.m. this morning. Let me tell you, when that happens, 20 minutes before service time starts, you better know there's somebody in this house needs to hear what I'm about to say. 9.38 this morning. I don't know if this will flow with my message that I had planned to preach. I don't know if I'll get to able to be preached the message that I was supposed to preach today. But I know I'm supposed to read what I'm about to read. Huh? Are y'all with me, church? Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, it's game time, baby. We got our jerseys on. It's time to get off the bench and get in the game. That ain't the word. I just felt like saying that. Second Kings. You ain't got to go there. They'll put it up on the screen. 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1. Elisha. Elisha said, hear the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a seah of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Can I tell you something what that's talking about? A great famine, a great drought. If I could say a great pestilence, if I could say a great time of need, when people's lives are turned upside down, prices are going through the roof, people are losing their jobs. Are you hearing me? It doesn't look like it could get any worse than this because if you know that about what's being said about fine flour, that means that inflation has just exploded. So an officer, verse two, of whose hand the king leaned and answered the man of God said, look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? Uh. And it said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes. My God, are y'all hearing me? Can the Lord turn this thing around? Can God open up windows of heaven? Can he make a way where there is no way? Can he put a road in the wilderness? Can he put rivers in the desert? Can he turn this nation around? Can he stop a pandemic? Can he stop COVID-19? Can he stop racial division and finally bring this country together? Can he do it? I got a question. Do you believe he can do it? Can he do it? Obviously, can I be real with you? We can't do it. Obviously, it's out of our, above our pay grade. Presidents can't do it. Senators can't do it. Representatives can't do it. Laws can't do it. I'm gonna tell you the only thing that's gonna do it. We need a move of God in this nation. We need revival. We need a harvest. We need Jesus to sweep this nation with the power of the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you something else. Your house needs it. Your family needs it. Your kids need it. Your marriage needs it. Your finances need it. Do y'all really want me to say what I got left to say? In the middle of every moment like this, there is always a remnant. And the remnant doesn't usually appear the way religion said it's supposed to appear. In fact, the remnant is usually made up of the most unexpected, unqualified, Huh? 
Listen, I thank God for cemetery. I mean seminary. Praise God. Where preachers go. Where good preachers go to die most of the time. I ain't got nothing against seminary, but here's the truth. I've seen a lot of Holy Ghost preachers of the gospel go to Bible college and come back doubly plucked up and dried up, doubly plucked up from the roots. They used to have a Norton flowing through them, and now you can squeeze them. They like cracker juice. You can't get nothing out of them. Go home and grab you a, a handful of saltine crackers and, and try to squeeze some juice out of them. That's about as dry as some of these preachers are. I'm talking about some praying grandmas, Brother Fred. Huh? Some of them didn't even finish high school. Some of them quit school in middle school so they could take care of the babies. But they know how to touch God. They know how to get on their knees and touch God. Would to God the church, how about this for a new normal? How about you show up tonight for prayer meeting the way you do for Sunday morning service? How about every one of y'all show up tonight to pray? That'd be a new normal. I love you. I love you. I'm telling you right now, the least likely, and I thank God for the big name preachers. I thank God for the, for the way that they have paid. But this revival, this remnant is not gonna be led by superstar big time celebrity preachers. Mm. It's going to be birthed in the local church by pastors all over this nation and all over this world who have just been faithful. Now, I'm going to finish talking in just a minute, but I got to tell you something. made me think about a whole sermon I heard when I was young in the ministry. Stuck with me. How many know some sermons you just hear, there are parts of that sermon for the rest of your life. It impacted you so much you never forget it. Now, I remember Perry Stone preaching a sermon about a sermon called The Chosen Vessel. And he said, I remember going to Israel on one of his trips to Israel. He's walking down the market. And he goes up and he sees a table full of beautiful vases, uh, pottery that had been made by the hand of the potter. And he goes up to him. And, and, and somebody had told him to try this to see what happens. And he walked up to him, and they had them all laid out, and they had prices on them. They were all the same price, and they all looked very similar, but they were all handmade, but they looked like they were just sort of made in a factory. And he said, how much are these? And he picked them up, and he looked at them, and he, and he liked them. Oh, these are really pretty. But then he looked at the, at the lady or the man, whoever it was, the potter, and said, but I got one question for you. Do you have any chosen vessels? And the person said, what are you talking about? This is all I have. He said, you and I both know you've got some chosen vessels that are not out here to be seen of man. See, what somebody had told him is that when people are making, reproducing the same thing over and over and over again, every once in a while when they reach over and grab the clay, there's something in that clay that can't be seen by the naked eye. And they mold it and they make it look like everything else. And then the, the next part of the pottery, after it's been made, it's got to be put in the what? The fire. And here's the thing. When it was put in the fire, which is going to set it in place to where it will be hardened, there are every once in a while, they, they look like every, all the others they were shaped like all the others, made out of the same ball of clay. But what you didn't realize is there was a chemical or another type of clay that was in that particular spot. And when the fire hit it, it caused that thing to deform. It caused that thing to stick out. It caused that thing to lay over on the side and not be level or not be straight or not look perfect. Are y'all hearing me? And the potter would bring them out of the fire and look at it and see that one that was disfigured, that one that didn't look right, that one that, that, that looked like it should be thrown away. But a true potter, a true person knows that that becomes one of a kind. So he pulls it out and he takes it behind and he has a cabinet where he puts all the twisted, oh, y'all ain't hearing me, the warped, the broken, the unqualified, the ones that nobody would ever want, and he keeps them for himself. And ever so often, somebody that knows how pottery works will walk up and say, do you have any chosen vessels? 
and he'll go back and he'll pull it out and he'll say, well, I got this one. But he'll know that if somebody knows pottery, they'll pay more for that one than all the other ones that look the same. I got news for you, y'all. God has got some preachers. God has got some people, some sons and some daughters that's been through some fire. Oh, my God, that's been through some hell. And my God, it's broke us, it's twisted us, it's deformed us, and we look like we're unqualified, but what you didn't realize, that God has been setting you back for an appointed time. Hallelujah. I believe it's time for the remnant. I believe it's time for the unqualified, the broken, the abused, the dropped to be set out. Did you hear me? So you don't get to unqualify yourself. You don't have that authority. You don't get to say you don't matter. You don't get to say, you can say it, but it don't mean you have the authority to deem your life worthless. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. See, what you got to do sometimes, you've been dropped, you've been broken, you've been kicked. Everybody else seems like they're getting blessed. You're losing your job. You're getting laid off. Some folks have prospered during the pandemic like never before, depending on what industry they're in. Others, many others, have lost everything. Oh, but we say you're never going to let us down. He is good. I know sometimes it ain't easy to sing that song. Am I preaching right? Can we just be real and transparent? God already knows your heart, so you might as well just be honest. Sometimes it ain't easy to say, you ain't never going to let me down because you have felt like he has let you down. But what you didn't realize, that's about God. God knows you better than you know you. God knows what you are made of. And if he puts you in the fire and the fire caused you to kick over to the side and you're walking like this, That's because God wanted you to understand. He is setting you apart from the cookie cutters. Can I just say something just bold and, 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 and not sound braggadocious, but, but just brag? I guess I am bragging a little bit on my church. I believe God is setting solid rock out for this moment. I, I, believe, I believe it. I believe God is trying to use this church full of broken people, unqualified. Are y'all hearing me? That don't make sense. Listen, I know some of y'all been asked by your coworkers, where'd your pastor go to seminary? Where'd your pastor go to Bible college? You, I don't care, you can tell him. He ain't go nowhere but the school of the Holy Ghost. I ain't got nothing against those that went to school, but I just got to tell the truth. I can't be somebody that I'm not. Everything I know I've learned from the Holy Ghost and from taking time to get in his word. And I got news for you. On top of that, I've learned it from having to go through stuff that just about killed me. don't ever know what somebody's going through. You don't know. I don't care if you're around them every day. You don't know what's going on in their head. You don't know what's going on in their family. Am I preaching right? So I, I guess this is what I'm preaching today, I guess. So what's this got to do with what I just read about the flyer and all that? Yeah, I'm country. I said flyer. Very next verse is very, very next verse is very strange. All of a sudden it says, Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. And they said one to another, Why are we sitting here until we die? Do you know we got a nation right now? that if they are not careful, they are going to allow a spirit to come on them that will cause them not to even be able to go get a Snickers bar and a Mountain Dew lest they die. 
That's not a belittling of a virus. That's not saying it's not real. I'm talking about a spirit that's come with this virus. There is a spirit that is attached to the infirmity of this virus. This is a very real virus. By the way, our president, first lady, and many in the White House have this virus. And if you can't pray for the president to get healed, then somebody needs to pray for you. Because I got news for you. I don't care who the president is. I don't care what their ideology is, what the letter at the end of their name is. Forget the fact that they're a president. They are a human being. Wouldn't you want somebody to pray for you? And I got news for you. Everybody don't like you either. I got news for you. Everybody don't like you. But if you got sick and you was put in the hospital, wouldn't you want people that didn't like you to still pray for you? That's all I'm saying. There is a spirit of fear and a controlling spirit that has been attached to this very real infirmity, this very real virus to cause us these lepers we're sitting at the gate watching a city in the midst of a famine, in the midst of pestilence, in the midst of no food. They are watching from a distance. When I heard that this morning from the Lord at 938 and told me to go to this scripture and I began to read it, I said, we are the lepers. And instead of sitting at the gate and watching the city, we are sitting at this gate watching the city. Are y'all ain't hearing me? Either this one or that big one in your, t in your living room. Are you hearing me? We have allowed a screen to become our window to the world. And let me tell you something. I don't care how big your window is in your house that you're looking out. You only have limited view. Oh, you ain't hearing me. This ain't in my notes, but I got to say it. You will convince yourself that everything that's going on in this world right now is what you can see through that window. But if you actually open the door and walk out in your backyard, you'll begin to see to the left. Oh, I could preach right there. To the right. Oh, y'all, some of y'all gonna get that at two o'clock in the morning. You'll really be able to see what's going on to your left and what's really going on to your right. Huh? Because some of y'all's window is just turned to the left and some of y'all's window is just turned to the right and all you ever see is what the right is doing or all you ever see is what the left is doing. Oh, You, <laughs> all your friends are looking out the same window, posting in the same window. So all you think that's going on in the world is what you're seeing in that window. Might do you some good to get away from the window and open the door and get out. Okay. So watch this. They are dying. There, are, there is no worse disease to have in that day and time than leprosy. Not only is leprosy an evil demonic disease that eats away at your flesh to where literally your appendages on your, on your body, whether it be your fingers, your toes, your nose, your ears, they rot and fall off. It was a part of the Levitical law that if you were diagnosed with, uh, with leprosy, you were immediately excommunicated from your family, from your, from your people, from your tribe, and you were put out in what is known as leper colony. For the only people you can live with are people who are sick like you and dying just like you. There is no doctor treating you. You've been sent there until you die. In fact, if you come in contact and even touch the clothing of someone who has wrapped themselves up to protect you from leprosy, you are deemed unclean. 
immediately. So the mentality, that spirit that came along with leprosy, are y'all hearing me? It, leprosy was very real, still very real to this day. Evil, demonic infirmity that's, that would not just, it's not just setting out to kill you, but to cause you great suffering on your way to death. But along with that infirmity came a spirit. A spirit, oh, y'all ain't hearing me, of isolation. A spirit of quarantine. A spirit of, you can't hug nobody if you got leprosy. You can't touch nobody if you got leprosy. I know a man named Kelvin McDaniel, and I'm not telling you to do this. I'm not telling you to be, you know, just crazy. Be safe. But I'm going to just tell you, he's got crazy faith, y'all. He, he goes to the, nations of, the nation of India. He's gone there many times. And when he goes, he doesn't go to the big cities of India. He specifically goes to where the largest leper colonies in all of India. There are, there are leper colonies in India, in India now. They have thousands of people that live there. They, they go there and they never come out. They're, they're fenced in. People can go by. There's, there's barbed wire on the top of the fences. They know on the other side of those walls are hundreds and hundreds of people who have leprosy who are living and dying while everybody else is going on about their life. He goes and he says, open the gate and let me in. He goes into the lepers, prays in the name of Jesus, covers himself with the Holy Ghost, and goes and grabs the babies and kisses them, hugs the mamas and kisses them on their cheek with leprosy. Now, I'm not telling you that you got to do that, but God has a special anointing on him to come against the spirit. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. And when he comes against the spirit, God uses him to reach the infirmity. So much so that somebody told him not long ago that they went, another friend of his missionary went, and they went to this leper colony that he had went two years ago. And they found, a, it was either a stone or a stump or something that they could carve into. And when he went into there, he get to looking at it, and he looked down, and, and someone had carved into that stone or stump, whatever it was, the words Kelvin. And they asked, why is this word Kelvin here? He says, this leper colony was forever changed because some American man named Kelvin came and loved on us and hugged on us, and now the gospel of Jesus is spreading all through this leprechaun because of this man, Kelvin. Has anybody been having trouble with being dizzy? If you are, stand up. If, you are, if you've been having trouble being dizzy, stand up. I'm telling you, it's been a long time since this happened to me. I literally almost fell straight on my face just then. I, I just literally got so dizzy. That I that I could I had to grab the pulpit, and the Holy Spirit just said, "I'm allowing you right now to feel what somebody's going through." I want everybody else to stretch your hands towards them right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, God, we declare your healing power over them, whatever it is causing them, whether it be vertigo, whether it be just something else, uh, whatever it is, God, you know exactly what it is. We rebuke it. We take authority over it right now. We command that that infirmity, that attack of the mind, that balance issue to go right now Lord they will not be dizzy another day they will not be lightheaded. whatever it is we're not going to chalk it up to blood pressure we're not going to chalk it up to getting up too fast we understand what it is for them to stand up it's an issue so God for you to put that on me like you just did that's an issue so God we declare our, our family right now is healed in Jesus name everybody shout amen amen come on give him praise well, I'm telling you right now, I started not even saying anything about it. I got right there and I literally just almost face planted. And then, then, then I realized what was going on. Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city and we shall die there. But if we sit here, we still die. Are y'all here? That was Larry Raggins' unauthorized translation. Now, therefore, let us, that come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. Are y'all hearing me? In other words, guys, let's, let's, let's talk about this for a minute. 
What are we doing? We are sitting here dying. No one is coming. There is no cure. We are going to die of leprosy. But before we die of leprosy, we're probably going to die of hunger. Either way, we got a death sentence. So, so how silly is it that we are sitting here scared to take a chance to go into the city and the possibility that we might eat a little bit of bread and still be killed, at least we die with a smile on our face, full belly. What's, going to happen? What's the worst thing that could happen? We die. What are we going to do anyway right now in our condition? Die. Now watch this. Watch what they said. They said, let's go surrender to the Syrians. Because in their mind, they've already got it played out how it's going to be. It's not going to end well. They are waiting on us. Number one, we're not Syrians. They're going to kill us. Number two, we're lepers. They're going to kill us. They're going to shoot us with a bow and arrow because they didn't want to touch us. Before we ever get in there, we're dead. So they rose at twilight at dark, went to the camp of the Syrians. Can you see? You know, they didn't go in there like this. They was in there like this. Shh. Maybe we can find a little piece of bread. And they're walking around. And when they come into the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, there was no one there. What? Can I tell you something? I always butcher this when I say it. It's just like the finger gun salute thing. I'll never get it right. I've accepted that. People's even made a t-shirt to help me, and it still don't help me. And I always butcher this one too. But it goes something like this. No, I'm not even going to try it. But it's, and if y'all know it, y'all can help me. It's some, it goes something like this. It, and I should have put it in my notes. But, but I didn't know I was going to preach this, so I couldn't put it in my notes. So when we worry about things, the worst case scenario, usually 90% of the time is nothing that we thought it was going to be. 90% of the time, it doesn't happen. 5% of the time, it does happen. 7% of the time, I'm making up numbers now. Sounds good. It does happen, but it ain't nowhere near as bad as you thought it was going to be. Usually about 1% of the time does it ever even really happen and even come close to what we were worried about. But we waste so much time playing these scenarios of how the worst case scenario is going to happen. Am I preaching this morning? These lepers said, okay, we're going in, but we know what, we're about to die, y'all. Let's just go ahead and tell it. We're going out in a blaze of glory because they're going to be armed and ready. But much to their surprise, when they got to the edge of the camp, tiptoeing in, no one was there. Can I tell you something? And I got to keep saying it because nowadays people just watch little clips they don't, and they'll pick things out. But I got to say this. We are being told something on another level than what it really is. Now, before you think you know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about a lot of things. I'm just saying this. You have to ask yourself if the voice that is trying to tell you the way it really is, is a voice that hates what you stand for, that comes from a mindset that is anti-everything you believe, then you've got to know that this voice is trying to program you to think the worst case scenario. But I got news for you. You be safe. You wear your mask, you social distance, you do whatever that's on your heart to do. But if you'll just get up and start walking towards the camp, 
socially distance, stay away from people, put a mask on, put rubber gloves on, put a hazmat suit on, whatever. Just get out of the outside of the gate and start walking to the promise. You might find that when you get there, it is not what you thought it was going to be. Man, it's getting quiet, and I just I can just feel I can feel darts trying to hit me right now. I can feel them. I can feel them. I can feel people judging and twisting what I just said right now. Online, and I can even feel it in this house right now. I love you, but I'm just being honest with you. I, I, so you didn't know I, that I know what you just thought. I know because the Holy Spirit told me. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses and the noise of a great army. So they said one to another, look, the king of Israel hired against us the king of the Hittites, the king of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore, they arose and fled at night and left the camp intact. Their tents, their horses, their donkeys, they fled for their lives. I'm telling you right now, the devil, oh, y'all ain't hearing me. You are giving the devil too much credit and too much power. God, he's an idiot. God can cause the sound of chariots. Oh, y'all. Whether there, where there ain't no chariots. Did you hear what I just said? The sound of armies where there was no army in the natural. He caused the Syrians to hear the chariots in the spirit realm, to hear the soldiers in the spirit realm. The, the things that could not be seen in the natural, he caused them to hear. And they got so scared, not only did they leave, they left their gold, they left their food, they left their transportation. Who did they leave it for? Four lepers. Four lepers. Can I back up and say, you know what I believe really caused all this to happen? Not the four lepers. One leper. Because one had to be the one to speak up to the other three and say, I don't know about y'all. <laughs> y'all can stay here if you want to. But I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I need some shelter. I need to get out of this situation. Are you with me? If you're with me, let's go. Oh, I just feel like asking Solid Rock Church, are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Are you ready? Are you with me? Will you get up and shake yourself off? Will you make a decision to go in? Go in. When you get there, not only will it not be like you thought it was going to be, but you might find gold waiting on you. You might find horses waiting on you. You might find tents waiting on you. Could it be? Could it be? Could it be that a tree has to be pruned to grow? Could it be? Oh, y'all ain't hearing me that this tree that's supposed to be planted by the rivers of living water called the church has got too comfortable? Could it be that the church has become so worldly and the world has become so churchy you can't tell the two apart? Could it be that the church has become an entertainment uh, genre? You know, we found that out when the pandemic happened because when they made lists of what was essential and what was not essential, the church got put in the column with the movie theater. The church got put in the column with the restaurant. The church didn't even get put in the column with Lowe's and Walmart. Lowe's and Walmart was said to be essential, but the church was put in the entertainment column. Can I tell you something? There's a reason why the world 
felt comfortable to put us in the entertainment column is because we've allowed ourselves to become entertainment. My God, are y'all hearing me? Could it be that the tree, Brother Richard, could it be that God had to do some pruning so this thing could finally be what it's supposed to be? I tell you right now, God doesn't allow you to go through anything that he does not have a purpose in that thing. You think he's gonna let the church, even a nation, that I believe the Lord loves, I believe he loves every nation. Can I get an amen? I'm just talking about America. Do you believe that the Lord would pull his hand back and let the America be exposed on every level for what it really is? We've pretended to be something that we're not from, from the government to the church and everything in the middle. Do you think the Lord would peel that onion back to let us see the truth of what who we really are and not not have an intention of causing a remnant to rise up and say thank you Jesus for showing us our sin thank you Jesus for revealing to us that we are full of sin and we need to repent do you love your church how about saying this with me? Jesus, thank you for letting me live in 2020. Thank you, Jesus, for 2020. Y'all need to quit praying 2020 out. 2020 is what we needed. 2020. We needed to be shown who we are. I'd rather be shown who we are now so that we can repent of the sins of a nation and the repents of the sins than, than to stand before God and think that we were okay and find out that he says, depart from me, I never knew you. I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. I preach if nobody helped me. I'm thankful. I don't like it. I hate it. Can I just be real with you? I hate 2020. But I'm glad I'm in it. Let me tell you something else about 2020. Let me tell you something else about this moment. How about this one? God trusted you in his infinite wisdom to make sure you were here right now. Did you get what I just said? That means he, he believes you could be a part of the solution. Boy, I just had something pop in my head that I thought to myself, if I say this, I might get canceled on every level. It's a good thing this is my last Sunday to preach until the last of this month. You ain't scared, but I am. I'm going to just make it plain, all right? I thank God for free speech. I thank God we're in a country that has free speech. But if you think... A sign or a hat, regardless of what color it is, that you wear on your head, a t-shirt, a sign in your yard, a sign on your boat or in the bed of your truck is going to change this nation. You need to go back and read your Bible because a sign and a ball cap ain't changing nothing. The only thing that's going to change this nation is when the church gets back right here and gets on their face right here and repents of the sins of, a, of this nation and repents of the sins of our family. Wear your hat, hold your sign, put them in your yard. But if that was going to change this nation, it would have already done it. It's going to, it's just, the heart of this nation needs revival. Do you still love me? Did I make it through that without getting canceled? 
And here's, the pro- here's something else I got to say. If you heard me just say that and you thought and you filtered that through what you thought I meant, then all you did is reveal what I'm trying to say. Because I didn't mean anything other than get on your face and repent of your sin. That's all I meant. That's all I meant. You see all this right here that I was going to preach today? You, you go, you go, it's all him, y'all. If I preach this, it's him. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. In other words, made them theirs. Then they came back and entered into another tent and carried some from there also and went in and hid it. Now, I know immediately y'all thinking, what are you trying to encourage, stealing? (laughs) No, what you gotta know is this. The Lord left all that stuff there. He's the one that said, the enemies of God, get out and leave everything you got. Let me tell you what I believe the Bible tells me. The Bible tells me the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. I believe, oh, I ain't talking about robbing from Peter to pay Paul. I'm talking about God is about to make a transfer. Come on, somebody. God is about to show the faithful, those chosen vessels that's been hid from everybody else. God's about to set them out and he's about to give them what he's what they're worth. And the enemies of God, those that have said that they are greater than God, they're about to find out who's God. Big corporations who have spent time and billions of dollars tearing down the gospel, tearing down what the word of God says and empowering the enemies of God are about to see who God is because there is a pruning that is happening. But let me tell you something, when when people... I don't mean this, I don't mean nothing bad on anybody. This is not directed towards anybody or any corporation or whatever. But when people lose gold, lose wealth, it doesn't go away. They just lost it. Five people got that. If you got a gold bar and you lose it because of stupid decisions and you get kicked out of your house and you are told by the authorities you leave everything, including that gold bar. Just because you lost that gold bar, it don't mean that gold bar is not still sitting in there for somebody. Huh? I'm telling you, it takes money to preach the gospel around the world, to plant churches, to fund missionaries, to reach people in unreached generations that's never heard the gospel and the church has barely got by. I got news for you. I believe if the, if the spirit of God's about to be poured out on all flesh, God's about to bless the church and he's about to empower the church and he's about to set some chosen vessels out and he's about... I'm telling you, we're going to go in one tent and we're going to possess the land. We're going in another tent. We're going to possess it too. Wherever the feet, wherever the soles of my feet touch, I'm going to possess it. Praise God. Pinson, Alabama belongs to the kingdom of God. Center Point, Alabama belongs to the kingdom of God. Birmingham, Alabama belongs to the kingdom of God. Gardendale, Fultondale, Tarrant, you fill in the blank. Wherever you live, start walking your city. Start walking and you start saying, in the name of Jesus, this is God's tent. And inside this tent, I got what I need. This city's got what it needs. This city belongs to the kingdom. 
And if I can declare that over a city, if I can declare that over a region, how about we just bow up and say, this nation belongs to the kingdom of God. Oh, he is not through with America. He's not through. He's not through. I just think about that old song I sang a couple of weeks ago. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. Sing it. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turn, don't play back. Though none go with me, though none go still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I no turning back. No turning back. Now listen to me about that turning back thing. Do you understand? You can be seated for just a moment. It's powerful. Did y'all feel that presence? Did you feel that peace that can only come from God that came in this room? That was unity, man. Come on, give God the praise. That was unity. That's where he commands the blessing, right there. I'm telling you, this church is ready for Elevate Month. This, I'm telling you, what, you, you, you don't need to miss anything that's about to happen in this church. I'm telling you, Something may be birthed out of October that lasts for years in Birmingham in this house. I'm telling you, something is going to be birthed in this house in October that is going to spill into years of influence in this city. That's because there's unity in this house. Now, if you've ever taken a, a plane flight transcontinental, if you've ever gone across the ocean, I have on multiple occasions. They will tell you pilots are trained that when you go across the ocean, it's different than when you're crossing land. In fact, if, you're, if you leave Alabama and you draw a line to where you're going on the other side of the ocean, you, you just think, well, that, that's, that's as the crow flies. I'm going to fly right across the ocean. Unless they have to, if you've ever done this, then you know what I'm talking about. I flew to Indonesia. You know what, what we had to do? Instead of going across the ocean, we flew all the way up across Canada, all the way almost to the North Pole, stayed on land as long as we could, then crossed over the shortest distance of water, and then went back down land again. Took a lot longer to get there than going right across... Because they understand this premise, that when you fly across the water, number one, if something goes wrong, there's nowhere to emergency land. Second of all, they have only so much fuel in that tank. Those computers are programmed to know how many people are on that flight, how much the luggage weighs, how much the plane weighs, what the fuel is. And it is measured precisely to know we've got plenty of fuel to get to our destination. If anything happens to where we have to veer off of our course that we've set, we need to know that we've got enough fuel to get there. Are you with me? There is something that when they cross, when they are forced to do it, and they cross the ocean, there's no other way to do it, there is something called the PNR. The PNR is the point of no return. 
there is an exact spot in that plotted course that they could look at their map to their destination that's pinpointed. And they know up until that point, they've still got enough fuel if something went wrong to turn around and go back. But once they cross the PNR, there is no turning back. Because at that point, they only have enough fuel to finish the race, to finish the course. If they turned around on the other side, they'd never make it back. Are y'all hearing me? I'm telling you where this nation is. We are at the PNR on every level. We've got to finish the course. I'm telling you, I'm 52 years old, and I don't care who knows it. I'm still young in my spirit, and I'm determined. I'm not going back. I've come too far to turn back now. Oh, the old preacher said, God's been too good to me to go back now. Huh? Heard the preacher say, he's been better to me than I've been to myself. And I give him all the praise. He got me up this morning. Ow, started me on my way. Set my feet on a rock to stay. Reached down in the miry clay. Come on, somebody. Set my feet and say, go. Seize the day. We got enough in us to finish this. Don't let the devil make you go back because it's a trick because you ain't going to make it back. You're going down. But I'm here to tell you as your pastor, I don't care how old you are. I don't care what you've had to go through. I don't care what you, how you feel in your body. I don't care what your bank account looks like. I don't care what side of the tracks you was born on. If you're still breathing, are you hearing me? You have passed the point of no return. There is no turning back. We're going to follow Jesus to the end. No turning back. You want to go with me? You can. But though none go with me, I'm still going to follow I'm through preaching. Is that clock right? Miracles. How many of those God, God dropped that in my heart for today, didn't he? You want me to tell you what that word was? That word was to get us ready. Because every one of us is those lepers. Every one of us. Every one of us. I don't care how good or bad things are in your life. We're all those lepers. And we're all sitting back and we're just sort of watching it. But I'm going to challenge you. Wednesday night, next Sunday, the following Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'm talking about you, you, you're about to experience things we've never experienced because we're coming into an elevate month like we've never come into one. We've never come into anything like this. There is an expectation of God we need you to do something like I've never seen before in my life. And the attitude of expectancy is the breeding ground of miracles. So let's just, let's just go all in. Let's just say, look, don't be stupid. Be safe. But let's just believe there's, there's something in there for us, and let's go in there and get it. And let's believe, just like with those lepers, probably ain't going to be nothing like what you thought it was going to be when you get there. If you're here today, and God's just been tugging at your spirit. You feel like that leper. You feel like things are falling off of you all the time, just falling apart. You feel isolated. You feel judged. You feel like nobody loves you and your life doesn't matter. I want you to know in God's infinite wisdom and love and his mercy for you, he caused you to push through it all to be here or caused you to stop and watch this online simply to hear that is a lie. God loves you. 
Now, I could go into theologically and I could go in and break down all the reasons of why this happened for the children of Israel to preserve the armies of Israel and so forth. But if you read it, it just sort of, Brother Richard, it sort of just sounds like God just did something really cool for four lepers in the middle of a drought, in the middle of a pandemic. God wants to bless you. In the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of death all around you, God wants you to walk in faith, be a light. If I was going to preach today, the title of my sermon was going to be Salt and Light. I was going to end the new normal by saying, how about we finally just be salt and light? Just finally. If there's ever been a moment that we need to be salt in life in our entire lifetimes, it is right now. People are consuming what the world is feeding. And it's bland. It's, it's not seasoned correctly. We have what needs to be on it. Bible says when he, when he talks about you have the salt of the earth, if the salt has lost its flavor, how then shall it, you know, salt and, and season what it's trying? It's just saying. But it says, it goes on to say, but you need to put it on what you're trying to eat. I was going to do an illustration that I was going to, I was going to put two plates out here. I was going to take a thing of salt. I was going to say in one plate is the food you're about to eat. The other plate is just an empty plate. It needs a little, what you're about to eat needs a little salt. Well, you get the salt, you got the salt in your hand, and you just start slinging the salt, but you sling it in the wrong plate. The Bible says you are the salt of the earth, not the salt of the church. Some of y'all real good at being salt and light in here. Jesus didn't say you're the salt and the light of the church service. He said you're the salt and the light of the world. It looks like it's falling apart all around you. Go be salt and light out there. A lot of darkness out there. If you feel like your life's in darkness, don't go home that way. Leave today knowing that your heart is right with God. God is bringing you out today. Every head bowed all over this house. Come on, let's do it out of respect. Every eye closed. If you're here today and you say, that's me, Pastor. I need to get my life right with God. I got some things that I know are not right. I've tried to fix them, but I can't fix them. I'm that leper sitting on the outside hopeless and dying but today I want to go in today I want to know that I've been forgiven today I need that peace in my life if that's you with every head bowed will you raise your hand just so I know who I can pray for thank you for these hands my goodness I see hands thank you young people I thank God for young people who believe the power of prayer is there anybody else is there anybody else Thank you for those. Oh, my God, I see people in every section. Thank you. You're watching online. Just raise your hand. Even though I can't see you, give us a hand raised emoji or whatever. Let us know so we can know how to pray for you. Church, I want to ask to everybody to look up at me. I want to tell you something about, about what this is. This is the gathering of the family of God. There's no judgment in this house. If I were to ask you, and I wouldn't do this because no one could do this, but if I were to ask you, can you look around this room and right now and just in the middle of while I was preaching, everybody's laughing and shouting or I'm in the middle of worship and stand up here on this platform and, you know, I got a diagram of where everybody's sitting. I just want you to put a circle around everybody that you can look at and tell that they're suicidal that they're dying of some disease that nobody knows about. They're battling depression. They're about to lose their home. Maybe they've never given their life to Christ. Can you just go and draw me a circle around them? By sure numbers alone, you, you may hit one. 
that you don't know. It would probably shock you to know that every one of you in all four sections of this church right now is sitting right now no more than 15 to 20 feet away, every section, no more than 15 to 20 feet away from somebody that just raised their hand and said, I'm falling apart. I need that peace in my life. You wouldn't have known it from the conversation. You wouldn't have known it from the reaction on their face. That's why we come together. That's why we give this moment. Are you hearing me? That's why we do everything we do here for this moment. So those that raised your hands, and even I got a feeling, maybe one or two, that's dealing with so much shame. You wanted to raise your hand, but you couldn't. God knows who you are. Now, it's been a long time since we did this, and I want you to spread out as you come. If you'd like me to pray for you, I'm not going to lay hands on you, but I want to I pray for you. I want you to make a bold step just like those lepers. I want you to step out if you raised your hand or if you wanted to and come and spread out all across this altar, and I'm going to pray for you right now. Come on.